0: Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name's Ryan. Would you, would you please stand for the scripture reading? Today's reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round, them, round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men.
1: Do you remain standing as we pray. Lord, we do say, Glory to you in the highest. Lord, we thank you that you have come, that you have promised to come again. And Lord, we proclaim these joys in this Christmas season leading to the day that we celebrate you coming into this world, fully God, fully one of us, to show us that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, we praise you, we thank you. And all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. So today is our first one of two Christmas messages. And I'll keep coming back to this theme that I think if we get Christmas right, we can get everything right. We get ourselves right. We get the Bible right. We get the whole Christian religion right. If we can get Christmas right. So what is Christmas, what is the real Christmas story? There's lots, I think uh, Jeff mentioned this uh, during the prayer and the offering, uh, that there's lots uh, going on around this season of Christmas that kind of dilute what it is Christmas is really all about. So what is Christmas all about? Well, it's about the coming of Jesus, the coming of God himself on earth. And I think some of you, hopefully none of you are thinking this, but maybe some of you are thinking, like, don't we do this every year? Don't we hear the same story every single year, right? And and shouldn't we know it by now? Isn't this the same story we talked about last year around this time? Yes, it is the same story. But may I suggest that let's go into this story deeper and deeper and deeper, because it is the greatest story the world has ever known. It is worth going very deep into. And I have this theory, and I'm going to test you in just a second, but I have this theory that not many of us know the Christmas story as well as we should. I think maybe some of us, and and maybe I'm guilty, maybe I'm not, would, would know more about like the Santa and the reindeer than the actual Christmas story. Many of us can name all of the reindeer, and yet we... We can't name all of the disciples, anybody guilty of that? (laughs) So I have for us this morning, a wonderful way to start the morning, I have for us a pop quiz. (laughs) So I have seven questions. Uh, I think we're going we're to put them on the screen. We're good. Okay. So we'll put these questions on the screen. And what you have to do is either write them down. You're not allowed to look at your phone and Google these things, but you can write on your phone if you need to. And, or you can tell a neighbor what you think the answer is. And if anyone gets, it, gets them all right, there's only seven. Uh, I have a little prize for you. Um, and so... Um, here we go. So I, I think if I'm right, like lots of us think we know these answers and yet like, well, I guess, I, guess I, I don't know. I need to rethink that Christmas story. And the point is just to get us into the story. So without any pressure, for those of you that have test anxiety, don't worry, you, you will grade yourself. Number one, what type of building was Jesus born? In what type of, building? easy, right? Number one, was it A, was he born in a stable? Was he born in a cave? Was he born in a manger? Or D, does the Bible not say? So write down your answer and you have to be honest and you have to be kind of quick at these because, uh, and, and just go with whatever your gut is. You don't have to think about it. Don't go looking at your Bible. Don't go Googling things. Just just think of whatever answer came to your mind, choose that. How many of you said C, a manger? That's a great answer, lots of hands. Uh, <laughs> Being nice to everyone. So, the manger, and if I was, I think I would, I would, I would be between C and A myself before looking at the story. Uh, uh, C, he wasn't born in, the, the manger is like this trough. He wasn't born in that, but he was born and then placed in that. Uh, how many of you said A, a stable? A great answer, a wrong answer though. Being nice. <laughs> So, so um, the stable is not the right answer because it, it, that's what we always see though, the picture, the cards, it's, all, it's in a stable and there's things. Uh, B could be a really good answer because if you go to Bethlehem, if any of you have ever been, I have not. Uh, there's, a, there's the church of the nativity and it's associated with the cave where they think Jesus might have been born in. But the, the real right answer is D, the Bible does not say exactly. How many of you are one for One. Uh, Raise your hand high. Okay, so we only have, there's only a couple of you now. Uh, We're already weeding out. Number two, what animals were present at Jesus' birth? The animals, in your mind, you see the animals. Is it A, cow, sheep, and camels? B, cow, sheep, and donkeys? C, lions, tigers, and bears? Or is it D, the Bible doesn't say. Uh, There's a pattern here. The answer is D. the The Bible doesn't say. Although in our mind, I we always picture it. My little nativity set. You, you think the Jesus, the manger, Joseph, and and these all these animals. But the Bible really doesn't describe the animals. Three. Uh, this is a true or false. The shepherds followed a star to baby Jesus. True, false, or the Bible does not say. How many of you are like, yeah, true? It's A. Hey, Anybody, yeah, true, why not? It's true, they follow the star, right? It's actually, it does say, and it's B, false. It's, it's kind of a trick question because it's not the shepherds who follow Jesus, it's the, the wise men or the magi that follow uh, the star to baby Jesus. I'm trying to trick you a little bit. Uh, the shepherds, sh- in the movie? What movie are you watching? A wrong one. A wrong one. Um, so how many, is anybody three for three yet? Okay, two, three, four. Okay, so this will come down to the very end. Uh, number four is uh, how many wise men were there? Uh, was there A, three? Was there B, four? Was there C, 12? Or D, the Bible does not say. So those of you that are still three for three, you have to, like, now it's time to get accountability. Like, tell your neighbor what you think it is. How many of you would guess A? Like, yeah, there's always, in the pictures, there's always, there's three wise men because there's three gifts. The gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so, of course, there's three dudes. They they gotta hold something, right? Uh, Traditionally... Uh, there's there's twelve just in church, uh, kind of like church early church history and like how many were the, the stories the, the 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 tales I guess. But really, if if our source is the Bible for this story of Christmas, the answer's D for this one. The Bible does not say. Number five, right along with that, uh, this this one is is not a biblical question, just a knowledge Christmas knowledge question. Five. What is frankincense? Is it A? A tree sap, B, a precious metal, C, a horror movie, (laughs) or D, none of the above. Uh, It's A, it's a tree sap, as well as myrrh is a tree sap, and uh, gold is of course a precious metal. Um, But is anybody, anybody five, five for five? You're five for five, April? is the only five, okay, so help, help, help her along so she can win this. Uh, anybody else, nobody, just April? Oh, and, okay, and, and a newcomer, okay, all right, good. Um, number six, uh, when the wise men brought their gifts to baby Jesus, they found him A, in a manger, B, in a field, C, in a home, or D, the Bible doesn't say. So we're not talking about the shepherds now, we're f- talking about the wise men, the magi, and how many of you think there's a pattern D, the Bible doesn't say? It's a good guess but it's not D it does say and it is C they find him in a home it actually says that and what's interesting about that is the the Greek word is like a is for toddler, not for baby. So they find him, assumingly when he's like walking around, and most babies walk when they're like one to one and a half, two, depending on your baby. But they find him, so the Magi find him like a year or more later, which we always assume, like in the nativity scene that I've always seen, there's shepherds, there's donkeys, there's cows, there's Mary, Joseph, and the wise men are right there same day, but that's not the case. It's quite a ways later in the home. And uh, let's see, is this the last one already? Uh, Number seven, this is a hard one. And you you really have to know your stuff here, I think. Um, Number seven is, how old was Jesus when he was first presented in the temple? Number seven, how old was Jesus when he was first presented in the temple? Was he eight days old? Was he B, 40 days old? Was he C, that toddler? Or D, the Bible doesn't say, uh, so are you is April? are you guys still seven six for six set? a eight days old April The answer it, it you might think it doesn't say, but it does say, and it's you're very close because most people would guess the eight days that he was circumcised on the eighth day and named Jesus, but then it says if you look at it, it, it kind of says that, it says this in Luke 2, It says, and when the days for Mary's purification, according to the law of Moses, were over, so you have to know how many days that is, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And so the days of purification for a mom after she had given birth, if you know your Bible like an insane person, you would know that the law of Moses says that a woman needs to be purified for 40 days B is the correct answer. April gets wow. 10. You missed one. But what a- <laughs> you said this one. <sighs> well, I have, to, I have 10 Manitou dollars to give you. <laughs> Receive something, just give it to her. Um, but I, you, you need one too though, because you both missed one. The point being, you guys can go out to lunch later and and spend the $10 on a half of a coffee drink and share it together. Anyways, moving on. The point is that that I guess nobody got seven of my questions right. And some of them were a little tricky. Like I asked you about the shepherds following the star and in your mind, you're just like, yeah, of course. But if you really know the story, you know that it wasn't the shepherds, it was the magi. The point here being that we could go deeper into this story and all of us be better for it. Because the first point this morning is Christmas celebrates the incarnation. Christmas celebrates the incarnation. And and what is the incarnation? The incarnation is God becoming flesh, one of us. God becoming human, God becoming man. And I've said this and I'll keep saying it this morning that if we get Christmas right, We can get everything right. We can get our creator right. We can get ourselves right. We can get the creation right. We can get all things right when we truly get Christmas. And so it's worth diving into the story. So many Americans uh, celebrate Christmas. Over 90% of Americans, people that are polled say, yeah, we we celebrate Christmas in some way. Uh, eighty plus eighty nine, I think, percent say. Well, we give gifts to each other. Seventy percent of people say, yeah, we decorate our home in some way. But then seventy percent of all Americans say, yeah, we do stuff around Christmas time that really has nothing to do with Jesus. And we can say, Oh yeah, those stupid Americans, that's what they do. They, they do stuff and they, they don't even know why they're doing, it. but this is us. Like this is within the church as well. I think we can all know the Christmas story better. We can all get it. And if we get Christmas right, we get everything right. So here's a question for you. Why did God come? This isn't a a quiz question. This is a question to kind of quiet yourself and think like, okay, if we look back, we we do say and we do believe and we do hope that God himself came to earth, but but why? Why did he do that? The most simple answer is I've thought all this week and and kept simplifying and simplifying this answer down. Why did God come? I I would say, looking at scripture, it's all for our benefit. Why, Why did he come? Well, he came for us, for our benefit, so that we can know what God looks like. We can know what God talks like. We can know the things that God would say. We could know the stories God would bring up. We would know fully who God is. Jesus is the reason for the season, right? It's a great, maybe you have the bumper sticker, maybe you have the the, the sign in your house, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's a great reminder to us that it's, it's not about the gifts. It's not about St. Nicholas. It's not about Rudolph. It's not about elves. It's about Jesus. He is the reason for the season. But may I suggest from, from what I just said, bringing this into focus now, that we are, you are, I am the reason for the season. Why? Well, because God loved us so much that he would come to earth for our benefit, for us. I was at the pantry. We have a, there's a pantry in, yeah, pantry. Uh, Manitou Pantry every Wednesday. Uh, if, if you don't work a regular nine to five on Wednesdays, come by St. Andrew's sometime. It's, it's a, Pretty, I've talked about this before, a partnership between two churches, New Life and St. Andrews, and just random people that want to help and volunteer in our community. And we, we feed sometimes up to 70 people. And so there's people waiting in line and we let them in two by two. So there's kind of a lot of downtime to just to chit chat with people. And I've had some wonderful, wonderful conversations with people over the days. Like, oh, It kind of starts with small talk and then asking me what I do. I'm a pastor and then so on and so forth. People begin to ask um, uh, people in their highs and lows in life uh, are at the pantry, and 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 I've gotten to converse with many of them. And this last week was a was a beautiful week. Got to talk with some people, um, and one of the guys there uh, got to asking us, got to asking me about New Life Manitou, and you know, what kind of church are we, and blah blah blah, kind of small talk. And then he asked the question: Do, do you guys uh, make a big deal about Christmas? Like, is Christmas a big deal at New Life Manitou? And I wanted to, like, scream, like, yes, duh, of course, like, it is God coming into this world. I wanted to, like, shake him. And of course, like, wh- how could we not think that that all of humanity has been waiting for this moment, that he, Jesus, fulfilled all promises, that when he was born and, and wrapped in, in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger, that this thing in the manger, God, one of us, a human and God, could solve all of human problems. He could fix everything. The God, the creator of all, you look up and you see the stars and the galaxies and the the distant planets and moons with the telescope, and the creator of all that came to Earth and was, whatever he weighed, seven pounds something ounces, this all of God, all of this God that we worship was in a small seven pound something ounce package lying in a manger. And I thought like all of the Old Testament becomes fulfilled in Jesus. In the very beginning, Genesis starts off with the fall of humanity. And there's this prophecy that humanity will crush the head of the serpent. And of course, that's fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus, God himself, becomes human and crushes the head of the serpent. I think of Abraham being promised you will become the greatest of all nations and all people, all people everywhere will be blessed because of you. Ultimately, that is fulfilled through Jesus. So I, I, I beg you, uh, is Christmas a big deal around here? Yes! Yes! Can I get an amen? Thank you! And and, and so I I was kind at the pantry, and I just, you know, yeah, it's a pretty big deal for us, you know, God coming, becoming one of us. It's a big deal, but I just wanted to, I was in that moment thinking and preparing this message, just like, yes! It's the biggest deal the world has ever known! The next point here is that Advent hopes for God's coming. Point two of three, Advent hopes for God's coming. Now what is this season of Advent? How many of you are familiar with the word? How many of you are like every year, you're like, why are, what is Advent? I keep, everyone explains it to me and I still have a problem. So it's, it's one of these words. It's a Latin word. It means the coming of. So you could say the, the coming of the Advent of Jesus is what we're talking about. It's been shortened to just Advent, the coming of the coming of what? the coming of God, many churches, uh, use this word, higher churches, liturgical churches, churches that follow the church calendar. And whenever someone starts talking about the church calendar, I usually smart-elically throw in, like, which church calendar? Because, of course, there's, there's differences between, you know, the Baptist and the Presbyterian church calendars. And then there's, like, even more differences between the Protestants and the Catholic calendars and, like, what saints are celebrated when and what holy days are this or that. And then there's even a bigger difference between the Western church, like what we're a part of, and the Eastern churches, like the Coptic Christians, the, the Orthodox Christians have, have completely different uh days of celebration. Oftentimes Easter falls on a different day. So I, anyways, whenever someone starts talking about church calendar, you could be a smart aleck like me if you wanted to and say, "What? well, which church calendar are we talking about? So anyways, uh, moving on, every church calendar that I know of at least follows some sort of pattern before Christmas of preparing ourselves for for god's arrival sometimes people call it advent and light candles sometimes people uh, undergo certain types of fasting sometimes people undergo um, just seasons of waiting and and hoping for the coming, the celebration of the Lord. It's, we could write it down like this, that Christmas, the advent is this, and we could call it the Christmas season or advent, is a time of looking back, knowing that Christ Jesus, God himself has come, daily looking into our hearts now, thanking God that he is here, and looking to the future, saying God will come again in glory at the end of time. So what are you doing in this time of Advent? Here we are uh, so many days before Christmas, two weeks uh, to be exact, waiting and and hoping for the coming of God to celebrate that he has come. What are we doing with this time? And I would like to remind us this last point that this is really the unlikely coming of God and I'll talk about what I mean by that. But the, the way in which he came, this is the last point this morning, is seemingly unlikely. We're gonna talk about the manger and what the manger is, and that seems very unlike a king coming to Earth. Um, Four years ago, uh, if you're privy to the, you like watching the news, and you get excited about babies being born, and you maybe even get more excited about princes being born, the, the, what, the, the Prince William and Kate four years ago had a little baby, what's his name, do you know it? George. Of course, you all know this. George, little prince, baby George. And when he was born four years ago, the media just blew up. I mean, it's like it's a big deal. A prince is born. And and by the way, he is third in line to ever becoming king of Great Britain. But still, he's a prince being born, and the media just went crazy. Buckingham Palace went crazy and did this big ceremony and the announcement of his birth. And that's how little princes or little kings to be even though he's like third in line that's how they come into the world with lots of to-do and lots of pomp and circumstance and everybody wants to know all the details on the whole world I mean all of us in here I assume are Americans maybe not but like why do we even care that a little baby was born in another country and he's third to be Prince maybe someday but we all did like four years ago it was the biggest news story that a prince had been born that's how little princes are kings come into this world, and may I suggest that Jesus coming into the world, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, came into this world, and there was no news stories about it. There There was shepherds in a field, and an angel appeared to them but then this little baby was born in, in what seems to be extreme poverty, so much so that they didn't have a place to put him, they didn't even have a place to stay, and they put him in a manger, a makeshift sort of bassinet. I was already planning to talk about the manger as this point in the sermon and kind of wrap things up this morning when I saw, I was just very encouraged on Wednesday when I saw the graphic for the, for the series this week and next week, that it is the manger, and the manger is the symbol of, I think many of us come to, to Christmas just thinking, oh, a manger, that's what you put babies in. Is that right? No. What is it? It's a feed trough, like this old food that you have. You're like, I think this food is turned. What do we do with it? I don't know. Put it in a manger. Maybe the animals will eat it. It's gross. Animals slobbering all over it. It's disgusting. And they had nothing but that to lay the king of the world into. Can we pause and just think about that for just a moment and think about um, I, I think I might have mentioned this before, maybe last Christmas, I get really interested in this point that um, Mary was carrying the baby, right? She, women who have been pregnant or maybe are pregnant, you go have to go through morning sickness and the whole carrying of a baby for nine months. What does the guy have to do? Nothing. Nothing, yeah. You should have to, at least you have one job. Like Just get things ready for when the baby comes. You don't have to hold the baby in your belly. You don't have to carry it with you 24 seven. You don't have to do this and that. Just you have one job. Get some stuff ready for when the baby comes, and I think like they they got to Bethlehem and the, the script. If you reread the story, it, it's most Christmas plays make it seem like they got there at like 7 p.m. and, and they had the baby at like 7:01, uh, and it's like this rush and they didn't have any place because they just got there. But the story, if you read the story, they get to Bethlehem. Then there's this sentence that says, "And then the time came for which for when the baby was to be due." So you're like maybe a month, maybe more than. That. And which town is he in? Which town is Joseph in? He's in his family's town. Like, don't you think anybody in his family would have had a bassinet for him to borrow or to have? Uh, don't you think he could have made one? I mean, what was his profession? Bro, like, make something. <laughs> You're going to, you got to put the baby in something, right? Like, make something. And we don't know. The, we don't really know what Joseph was thinking. But, but man, maybe their poverty was so much so that they didn't even have the materials to make a manger. Maybe they, his family, they, they were so poor that no one, nobody in their family had a manger or had a, excuse me, had a bassinet so that when the baby is born, they had to place him in a manger. And I just think, how embarrassing. Like, I think we overlook this in thinking about the Christmas story. We just think, like, oh yeah, Jesus placed in a manger. That's what you do. You put babies in a manger, right? No, you, you don't. You put them in a bassinet. You put them in something to hold a baby, for goodness sakes. You don't put them in a trough to feed animals. And I wonder if Joseph, Mary, at this moment of like having this child, this high, and then like, well, where are we going to put them? It's like, well, I guess we have nothing. They have nothing. Somehow they have nothing to put him in other than this thing that they just lying there, like, oh, we'll just put him in this manger and it's, it's gross and it's horrible, but maybe we'll clean it or maybe we'll put a blanket on it or something and put him in a manger. What a humbling, humbling thing to have to do. And I think we all go through these seasons, if we could call them like manger moments or manger seasons in our life where we think like, God like what am i doing right now like we have we have nothing like to show for what we've been doing and and here we are like having to to suffer through this situation i think about Um, we look to other people sometimes, I think on social media, we look to, to people or to individuals, families oh man, they have it all together. Wish we had it all together. Or we look at rich and famous people and say, oh, they, they have it all together. Why, you know, they must never have these manger moments in their lives. But then I think if you really think about it, like, All of us have manger moments, even the most rich and the most famous. Think about the divorce rate or the substance abuse rate. Think about even suicide or depression amongst the most rich and famous, a very famous, if I said his name, you would all know him, very famous actor, comedian, rich, famous person said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so that they can see it's not the answer we all have these moments i think christmas season the season of advent brings about an extra stress and depression of thinking through like what do we you know just life and it's it adds something to our life looking forward to christmas that 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 maybe we think oh oh everything should be perfect and then it's not and and we have these moments that are manger moments and to bring it back, if I can, to, to redeem this, because the symbol of the manger is the symbol of God coming to earth. I think about the shepherds who are in the field, abiding in the field, it says. And I remember two years ago, Jay memorized this verse, and he said the shepherds biting in the field, and he said, well, why are they always biting each other? Why can't they be nice? No, 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 they're, they're living in the field, they're, they're, they're abiding. They're living in the fields, they're homeless, they're watching after animals. Shepherds were considered low, low people. Just you know, bare, just one step, maybe a step above, uh, above uh, someone who has no job and is, who is a beggar. But uh, these shepherds living in the field and an angel of the Lord appears to them and they're sore afraid. They, they're, of course, an angel appears and they all see it. Angel says, don't be afraid. I have great news to share with you. In the city of David has been born this day a savior, the Christ, the Lord, and this will be a sign unto you. And what's the sign? Like, so, so these shepherds are supposed to go find a baby who is now the savior of the world, who is the Lord, who is the Messiah, and they're given some details to find this baby. The baby's been born today, so it's, it's like, oh, it's a baby born today. It's uh, a baby born in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. So he's born in Bethlehem. He's uh, been born today and he's going to be, they say he's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. And that's not much of a hint because like what baby isn't. And the final clue, the one that they know, like this is the baby that is the savior in case there was more than one baby born on this particular day in, in Bethlehem in this crowded city at the time. What's the sign? You'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a Manger, lying in a trough. That's the savior of the world. I imagine when the shepherds get there and Joseph is there and it's like, you know, where's the, the child? You have a baby that was born today. Yes, we do. Where is he? Well he's 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 we don't have anything to put him in. I'm so sorry. He's lying in a horse trough over here. And and the shepherds are like, that's what we've been waiting for. That's the sign. That's it. Wow, glory to God and the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill, because today a Savior has been born. He is the Christ. Let me read this verse. Let there be no doubt. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He's the Messiah, the Lord. He is Christ the Lord, as the KJV puts it, and they found him and they've proclaimed. that The angel told us he's the one, This is all true, this has all been fulfilled. If we can get this right, we can get everything right. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And Lord, we say to you that we want to get Christmas right, we want to get this story right, that that Lord, you have come into this world, you, the the creator of all, the one we are praying to right now, you entered into time, into space, into place, you became flesh just as much as we are human. Lord, we, we say that you, and we hope, and we, we, we honor that this story, that, that you have become flesh, that we might know who you fully are, God. So we worship you, Lord. We praise your holy name. We know that you have come for us, for us and our salvation. And Lord, we we thank you. We praise your name. And everybody said... Amen. Would you stand with me? A part of getting Christmas right is is coming before God and saying that we don't have it all right, but we know the one who can make it all right. And this prayer that we say most weeks together in unison is a prayer of asking for mercy. So if you would with me say these words, Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen.